You are listening to the Antler VC Cast. We are your hosts. I am Yusti Salavara and I'm the co-founder and managing partner of Antler. I am Pooja Barwani, the marketing director of Antler. In this series, we feature stories of exceptional people who are playing a key role in building and shaping the next wave of tech and the way it is integrated into all we do. We take a look at the transformation that is taking place in an increasingly global and digital world. We will talk about innovation, building and scaling startups, mistakes they made, pivots they navigated through and lots more. We want to know their story, how they did it, the challenges they faced and how they overcame them. Stay tuned. In this episode, we speak to Ilat Hanoa, the CEO of Kahoot, the game-based learning platform that has taken the world by storm. It aims to make education more effective and accessible globally. With the current remote learning and working situation, Kahoot's user base has been boosted to more than 1 billion active players annually. We're going to speak to Kahoot's leading man about the whole journey of building Norway's first and only unicorn and find out more about the growing tech ecosystem there. Welcome to the Antler VC cast. Thank you so much for joining us today and I hear you have tuned in on the move. This is what we were told that you were part of uh, OIW or Oslo Innovation Week. Please tell us you're we are in Singapore, me and you see in our homes and where are you right now? So I'm actually in the office. So first thank you very much for 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 inviting me and and also to listen to the Kahoot story. In Oslo we still have of course some elements of the COVID-19 pandemic ongoing but it's fairly flexible whether you want to work from office or at home so we're all uh, circulating a little bit during daytime. Awesome. By the way, how do you say your name? I, I don't want to, I don't think we want to do violence here so uh Eilert <laughs> uh, it would be the Eilert yeah, British uh, intonation I guess. <laughs> Awesome. Awesome. Well, I mean, why don't we get straight to it? Like I'm sure a lot of our listeners have heard about Kahoot, but maybe not everyone has. So, you know, if you can give a bit of an overview into the company and and we're always interested in the origin stories uh, on the podcast. So, you know, a, a bit of what went into the, you know, early early times and the insights and problem you identified and 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 how you went about solving that. Yeah, so Kahoot is a fairly young company. It was founded back in uh, formally in 2012, late 12, and it started as we know it in 13, launching their first I would say early version, early edition of today's Kahoot uh, in the fall of 13 for thousands of teachers in the US uh, that instantly uh, got huge attention and 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 excitement around their product. So So the, the viral growth of Kahoot started already uh, in the fall of of 2013, uh, and it it kind of came from a project on the uh, NTNU, which is the Technology University of Norway, where you had Professor Alfing Ivan, which is professor in gamification, and with his uh, students uh, and and also with uh, the co-founders of Kahoot, who were able to create this this fantastic phenomena that Kahoot is, uh, and um, I personally was lucky to to meet this team in the early of 14 and became the first external or or non founding shareholder and then I became the chairman in 2015 and been working with the company since then until I also then became the CEO last year. So I've been able to follow this company and and the, the enthusiasm around Kahoot from from the early days. 
and and be able to also help the initial project to to continue to grow, which has been a fantastic journey. You've raised about 110 million so far, and you um, obviously have an amazing user growth rate. And of course, this year has always been has definitely contributed to the to the fact that e learning is taking place online. But what has been interesting is also the way your company, you know, is now looking at corporates and 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 how you know you're bringing this whole gamification of learning there. Can you tell us about how that happened? So exactly. So so the vision of Kahoot is to make uh, learning awesome and also to make be, make sure that we become the leading learning platform in the world. And that, of course, also includes companies. So not only students and, and the classrooms and teachers, where that's, of course, extremely important, but also to be possible to be used at home, parents for their kids or, or for individuals to study, but not least at work. So we all know these fairly boring sessions that you have at work, whether it's compliance training or surveys or, or even meetings where the energy kind of leave the room uh, as the meeting starts. Uh, and we believe that we can deliver some of those tools uh, that makes those processes more interesting. Because in the end of the day, it's about making sharing knowledge more interesting, making sure that you create enthusiasm around the events and also to some extent make sure that the presenter or those who are presenting are uh, the heroes of the of this of the session so that are the ingredients that kind of makes a good learning experience and also what is making learning awesome if you can gamify compliance you get my money for sure so that's uh that's, uh, that's, for, that's for sure. I, I think this notion of gamification is fantastic. I, I, I actually noticed that you had acquired Dragonbox earlier, uh, I think this was uh, two years ago, maybe, 2018 or, or last year. Last year, last year, yeah. I, I, my, my kids used to play that, you know, when they were younger. And I always found it fascinating how, how powerful that can be in young kids, right? So this, this, this trend is uh, certainly like a big one. How widely spread are you on the on the sort of school front? Like how many countries? Is it becoming a global thing for you? You said you started in the US? Yeah, so exactly. So we're originally a Norwegian company or a company that happens to be Norway, I must say, because we are basically now used in over 200 countries around the world and by teachers and schools and students everywhere on the planet. So it's truly a global phenomena per se. And that's, of course, very inspiring, both because schools and school systems and even the way you're teaching is very different uh, around the world. There's not good and bad, it's just different, whether it's because of uh, financial and economic uh, differences or from uh, infrastructure, the ability to use uh, wireless or 4G uh, or, and hopefully soon 5G, and of course also budgets. So being able to become this global leading learning platform, of course, includes that you first of all need to have some teachers and for students. So we have this motto, which is free for teachers forever, which we think is important. That's not uh, like a free trial seven days forever. It's a uh, free core delivery free forever. And that's, that's the foundation in Kahoot, both for individuals, for, for students, for teachers to be able to use it as you please, as you go. And then, of course, you can always buy more premium functionality if you want to, but you don't have to. 
So on that, that basis, we have around 6 million teachers who are using Kahoot throughout the school year. And we have hundreds of millions of participating students that are, are, are involved in using Kahoot in the classroom or at homework or self-study uh, throughout school year. So, so we have kind of an opportunity, but we also have to some extent, an, uh, I would say, an obligation to continue to, to evolve and develop and deliver those tools to, to make sure that we have this great learning platform available uh, to all these users around the world. And how do you personalize on all these markets? I mean, it is, I understand, a user-generated platform as it is. So there is that personal element. And I think in a way, that's why it's worked. But, you know, like you said, the different education systems sans maybe the IB system, which is, is, is globally. How, how does that work for Kahoot? So first of all, we actually, for the first time, launched localized and translated edition of the software just a couple of weeks ago in Spanish. So everything else is in English, uh, but then, then again, it's super, um, participate. So it, kind of five, ten words you need to understand in order to be both able to create and to play a Kahoot. So, so it's a fairly low barrier platform and, and, and service. Uh, when it comes to the content, which is this is all about, of course, is Kahoot is uh, more of a YouTube way of platform with user-generated content. We have 100 million Kahoots on the platform created by the users, where half of them, 50 million, are available publicly. And, of course, they are created in every language, and we support all kinds of, of, of languages. Uh, it can be a better support, which we definitely are investing in, in to make sure that happens. But it, it's possible to basically run all kinds of languages on on the platform. And again, we believe that that's, that's the success criteria going forward, that we open up a platform for teachers around the world to put their, uh, their content, whether they want to keep it privately or, or share with the rest of the world, but making sure that it's, it's truly a, a, a platform giving as a toolbox, giving better opportunities to all educators in whatever setting they are in. Yeah, it's fascinating. We've been, when Pooja and I were kind of prepping for the session we're talking about the whole nature of the educational systems and we're wondering you know if there would be blocks in your way when it comes to some of these what i would at least classify stricter you know more structured systems like your like the asian ones for example given you know we're, we're talking from singapore here so have you noticed that when in the like global expansion that you'd have some some systems are tougher to enter in a way since we're giving it away for free and and we definitely see that teachers are are picking up best practice from from other teachers around the world uh, that really hasn't been a big challenge there it, it's definitely different usage pattern in in indonesia versus singapore versus taiwan versus japan and and india but that that is maybe more from other things than the school systems, such as infrastructure and the ability to use devices, uh, whether it's in class or, or at home. We believe that, of course, some of those, uh, some of those differences will be uh, neutralized, if you will, as, as, the, as devices are becoming more affordable, as uh, infrastructure is improving. Uh, and as long as we can have a great free service that, which means that teachers that are investing in putting their content on the platform can continue to use that content. We think we have a pretty good, uh, good developer position. Uh, that said, we also get a lot of great feedback from teachers and schools around the planet on how we can improve our service uh, to their needs. Uh, and we, of course, try to aggregate that up into to structured deliveries that will benefit everyone. 
Oh, that's good. My actually, I I think this sounds fantastic. I, my wife is a teacher, and I don't think she's using uh, Kahoot yet, so I have to uh, push her a bit on that. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> my son just told me they they did an assembly wide Kahoot exercise for Mandarin of all, and he's in an international school here. So I was having cool. a conversation with him before this. Yeah, it was very cool. And you know what I what I'm interested about? It's almost like when you talk about it, it's like this open source platform, but yet it has this. You know, you you can choose if you want to uh, what you want to uh, give up and make sh- shareable. So, and you also said in the origin story that this goes back to this professor in you know who, who had this gamification theory. Does that have anything to do with you know the Norway education system? Is there something that is essentially? Uh, Nordic or Norwegian in 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 Kahoot that has made it you know so unique yet relatable. Yeah, I mean it's 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 a it's a good and interesting question. I mean I, again, I think no, uh, Kahoot is a, to some extent a, a company that happens to be in Norway, both because the uptake of Kahoot as such around the world, which is less of a export of a Nordic way of thinking, but on the other hand, you could say that we have been able to build the company without any strict guidelines of exactly how it's expected such a company to 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 evolve and the first years it was basically focused on on making sure that the product of course works scales and is pop, uh, popular in the sense that the uptake is there and that brings us maybe to the most unique attribute of kahoot as a company is that those one point 25 billion participating players we have and the 20 million active accounts and the 200 million games that was played the last 12 months. All that has come to life without spending one single dollar of marketing. So it's only about word of mouth. It's only about references that you kind of consume the product. You see the product, you bring it home or you bring it to work or you bring it to next uh, next session or next school and that's how it, it, it kind of the concept and, and the phenomena is, is, uh, is continued to, to spread. And I think that's, uh, that's a very interesting lesson learned in the notion that it's not about market. Sometimes you might have to do so, but if you can build out that concept or service in a way that that is also the marketing engine, that's the, the purest and the most scalable and, of course, the, the most correct way of thinking about investment in in early stage in a company. And Kahoot from that perspective is a role model where it went, all investment went into R&D for making a better product for the free and paying users and not to send that, that amount out of, of the company to, to feeds uh, another system for, for more leads. Yeah, it's, that's like the perfect example of what product market fit looks like. And it's like, you know, some of the founders we work with kind of mistake traction for product market fit, whereas you really need to kind of look at the whole like cost efficiency of the traction. Like if you pay for, you can always get traction by paying, but like if, if you get it and you get the virality without it, then it just tells you that your product is is fantastic. But I must ask this as well, like uh, like Puja mentioned in the intro, like Kahoot is the only Norwegian unicorn so far. Does that come with some pressure like national pride and, you know, showing the world that Norway is capable of building tech businesses and not, and not just playing on resources, you know? 
Yeah, exactly. So I, I mean, it's definitely a, a focus in Norway, uh, and I guess uh, many many countries to to make sure that you are kind of building the next generation companies and next generation showcases for for the ability for the com- country to to build companies in the future. First of all, I don't think Norway, or sorry, that we are the only kind of unicorn-ish, that depends a little bit on the on the strict the definition of a unicorn, but at least we're not kind of the only guy in town or girl in town uh, with that uh, position or that role. But we are one of the of the companies uh, that might uh, might be visible outside of Norway in a, in a distinct way, as I think it is one of the most, at, as, as at least as of now, maybe the one of the most known brands, Norwegian brands outside of Norway in the world. So that's uh, of course a fantastic, uh, uh, fantastic opportunity for us to 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 explore the, that opportunity in the global marketplace. But at the same time, it's also a commitment to to take care, uh, take advantage of the kind of the momentum we have in the company and and deliver on that on behalf of users on behalf of investors and on behalf of the organization i believe that there there is not like right or wrong on where to start a company it's more about wherever you start what is the natural advantages of doing it there versus somewhere else uh, like you can have football teams from around the world doing great you can have athletes uh, artists writers and, of course, entrepreneurs coming from every corner of the world and basically being able to uh, outperform or outcompete their kind of uh, origin, if you will. And, of course, same goes for where you establish and build a company. I think uh, the the most important is to spend all your energy about how do you leverage whatever situation you're in instead of uh, complaining about uh, the disadvantages of of being exactly where you are. We are, because that's yeah. that is not a very interesting competition to be yeah. best in disadvantages. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, it's, but it's it's perfect case in point that you know, Kahoot uh, was started in uh, Oslo, and then all of the early you know traction and and growth was in the U.S. And you know, it's a perfect example, and that's definitely what we believe in you know at Antler as well with like global mobility of founders like uh, let's say Singapore programs typically like you know we have more than 30 nationalities uh, 40% of the people in the program come from abroad to to do the program so you know there's very little borders these days it is and exactly it's much more uh, the the biggest borders and and hurdles are are normally inside your own head so it's about how do you kind of uh, think through uh, beyond that and, and focus on, on both what is, of course, realistically achievable in the first cycle uh, and how do you make sure that everything you do is scalable? How do you make sure that the investments you do in the first part can be reused even if things are go- not going exactly as planned? And, and how can you make sure that your resources will be uh, sufficient to get you to the next uh, harbor or to the next uh, milestone, whatever that is? And and those challenges and opportunities are are I guess uh, the same for everyone, but it's about having that almost like an uh, I would say an athlete training for uh, for an event, uh, understanding what kind of hard disciplined work you have to go through, uh, and at the same time keep the, the DNA of the creativity and the spirit of the company and 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 uh, and being very clear on the mission. So those elements are as, as opportunistic and. Uh, reachable for for in theory for everyone and then of course coming from 
from the Nordics is, is a huge advantage from infrastructure, from uh, society or the way society is organized and so forth. Uh, and then you might have other uh, elements or, or, if you will, disadvantages versus other parts of the world when it comes to, for example, n- n- the home market and other uh, industries uh, competing for resources. So again, it's about seeing what you can be able to do with where you are and what you have right now and uh, not playing in the fantasy league because that's that's really not where we are. Yeah, not, not going for the fairy tale outcomes uh, necessarily, but yeah. No, but you talk about the, in a way, unfair advantage, of course, that places like Norway have. And then, but at the same time, you know, we do have to ask the question, is that one of the reasons that there aren't that many big name startups or tech companies that have gone international? Uh, You know, what is the reason for that? Is that because there's no market domestically or is it a mindset? Is it that everyone there is so comfortable with with what they have that there's no, in a way, a platform for innovation? What, you know, what level the ecosystem is? What what do you, what do you think about that? Well, I think, uh, I mean, all all the points you you mentioned are are relevant uh, separately. I mean, of course, in a society where for example, there are huge disadvantages starting your own company versus being employed. Uh, will on average have more talents as going into large organizations and public sector than, than starting your own company. Whether that over time is creating more or less uh, successful entrepreneurs, I don't know. A home market which is larger uh, for some companies makes it possible to grow uh, till critical size at home before you go internationally. I, Back in the 80s, 90s, and even 2000, that was a huge advantage. These days, you could argue that some companies starting in very small markets initially and from day one need to think about how do we make this work outside our our home market is is kind of having advantage as soon as they get the economy of scale. So so that might be going both ways, depending on whether it's a physical delivery or if there are uh, things related to, to... either localization or other very uh, concrete uh, limitations like uh, financial markets. And then when it comes to the pool of talent, of course, the larger uh, home market in theory, the, the more uh, talents you should be able to, uh, to easily reach. But again, as, as pointed out already, we, we already see a much more in global move of talents across countries. It's more about, I think, more important to have a concept and a company that that the, the true talents want to be associated with and, and work with than it is to be uh, able to tap into necess- necessarily local talent. So I don't think there is an exact pro or, or, or con list that is to be followed, but I do believe it's, uh, it's very interesting for any, any market, uh, any country, any town to see what can we do to at least uh, reduce the, the biggest disadvantages we have to attract entrepreneurs and uh, make sure that we have startups starting in our, our, our area. Uh, so from that perspective, it's a good, uh, how do we improve the, the bottom part of the list for, for everyone? Yeah, it's, it's, it's fascinating. So I'm from Finland and I was just there a month back and someone who's quite established in the ecosystem, uh, who, someone I, I, I have high respect for, told me that, you know, they don't see the hunger anymore. Like, you know, the, they look at other countries, they look at the angel investments, you know, other deals, they see much more hunger. You know, Finland, people are too comfortable. They don't, they don't have the hunger to build anymore. There's like lifestyle entrepreneurs, but like the real hunger is not there. I thought that was a fascinating 
observation that probably would also apply to Norway as well. Similarly, like people are too comfortable. Like that's that's the yeah. kind of notion. But that sounds it. like a super good sales or or, or a opportunity. I mean, if you, yeah. if you know there is a whole playing field there, is no one hungry? I mean, that's a free lunch. Yeah. So yeah, be, yeah, yeah. That's true. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> I think he was he, he was actually he was making a comparison between the Baltics and of course Estonia is completely on fire with with startups and you know I think that was the comparison he was making. But uh, but I think to segue from that, I, you you mentioned something super interesting: the talent aspect, and and not necessarily from the founder point of view, but from the point of view of hiring talent which is obviously absolutely critical for for every startup in the early days and very difficult in the beginning so how did you go about that in the early years like at Kahoot more broadly like did you hire in Norway when you started growing did you set up new offices like how do you look at that when you're building a business that is global day one you're starting from a small country how did you play that equation so that's a that's a good uh, good Question. I mean, I, I didn't set, assemble the first lead, leadership group in Kahoot as I came in as a CEO now in the 19, but I was the chairman since 15. So, so I was kind of semi-involved. And, mm. and I think uh, one of the maybe most important factors is that if you have other companies, in international successful companies in the area that already have started to attract, let's say, an international talent pool, that makes that kind of recruitment much easier. A little bit like Nokia's role in, in the Finnish uh, IT industry for the last decade or so, both first when they were building up and then later as they kind of re- were reducing. Uh, that's got a lot of spin-off teams that were already trained in the, in the noble art of uh, international uh, IT <laughs> management yeah. and were able to maybe attract and continue to build on that. And I think we, we had some of the same experiences with great teams from other international companies in Norway who've been doing IT and, and software development that we were able to tap into. And so that was definitely helping us. Uh, and also, uh, as Kahoot has been continuing to grow as a brand and as a, as a solution, we also are able to maybe uh, easier, uh, it's not easy, but easier attract talents. And taking into the consideration what happened in the last six months, I think we will see a lot more onboarding of talents that are not moving, uh, but will continue to work remotely, whether our small cluster teams around the world or whether they are uh, structured through uh, separate units uh, or whether they are working directly uh, one-on-one remotely. And the, the whole flexibility around what is really about building a team, how, how, how does that look? That will change uh, and, if you will, evolve over, over the coming quarters and years for sure. For Kahoot itself, like how, how widely spread are your teams and how many of them work remotely? How diverse are they? Yeah, so... If take, taking uh, as of uh, last quarter, we were around 130 employees, and we were represented by 32 nationalities. So that's uh, that's truly great. Back to being an international team, although um, if you have a small small company uh, that happens to be in Oslo, uh, we have uh, an office in Helsinki with a Finnish sales team. We have a gaming studio in Paris. We have a sales team in in uh, in Austin and uh, Texas, and we also have uh, some employees both in Poland, in the, in the UK, and other countries that are working either remote or, or in small groups. And, of course, with the COVID-19 happening as well, we have uh, much more remote work in Oslo. So I would say that around two-thirds of the organization at any time is working remotely. So 
we kind of were already doing the Zoom meetings prior to COVID-19. The difference now is that less people are doing it from the office. <laughs> They're doing the Zoom meetings from other locations, but uh, not really that big of a difference. But of course, it's a challenge for building the company culture in the same way as you were able to do when you had everyone physically present and, and 100% mindset in the, at work. So that's, uh, that's a change. I guess it doesn't matter. We you have the fancy Zoom background, so you know no one will know where you are, <laughs> except, <laughs> exactly. except Pooja, who wants to market that she has a printer, which is good. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Looks like yeah, two uh, two drawers or paper. Yeah, it's like well. what is that? And if, if I had my kids here, they would be like, "Daddy, what is that machine?" Yeah, I'm right? kind of old school, right? That shows <laughs> That's the thing you kill trees with. <laughs> so, speaking of building corporate culture, I'm actually like very fascinated by your your alternative product, your other product offering that is growing to the corporations, you know, how does, how, how, you know, I, I looked at one of the examples of how this onboarding is done and, and one of, you know, can you tell us, is this something that you think, you know, has, is it taken off this year because what you just said, you know, you can't build corporate culture online and, and, and how does Kahoot fit into this story? So that's a, that's a, that's a very good point. First of all, it, it is difficult for companies to both build and maintain the co- company culture or the corporate culture as you are not meeting physically, obviously. Especially now when you start to maybe have groups of employees who've never been to the office, never met their colleagues, but still are expected to act and behave as if they were a part of the team forever. So I think we'll see that the need for, for kind of bonding, which is not about just having 20 faces on a Zoom call, because you can't go around the room, you can't feel the energy in the same way as you can in a physical meeting. Of course, we will see that the, the, the companies and solutions that are providing the plumbing here, like Zoom, like Microsoft Teams, Google Meet, uh, Apple FaceTime, will also evolve in order to cater to this. But at the same time, we think that uh, the functionality that we can provide going forward, which is less of the presenter-centric, that the, not only the person on stage will be kind of in, uh, interesting, but, but rather that you can have, for example, 100 uh, participants in a Zoom call and making sure that you instantly get a, a bottom-up report back on, the, on the, uh, whether it's a slide or a question or, or a phenomenon happening in the session. Uh, without having to go around the room or, or doing chat or, or doing the kind of inferior way of communicating two-way that we are currently using, all of us. So being able to deliver that functionality to corporations, we believe is super important. And, and that's also the feedback we got from the biggest clients we have. We have use of Kahoot across Fortune 500 uh, companies, so almost everyone. Of course, they're not all, all, all of them on a big enterprise agreement yet, but working on that. But we are definitely seeing the interest and the pickup of using Kahoot for everything from onboarding of new employees, for basic training, for compliance training, for customer events, for company events, for all kinds of uh, celebration, uh, and also for sales training, consistent sales training over time. So Kahoot has evolved from being that, if you will, simple single dimension quiz uh, with four alternatives into a platform for, for using and making continuous learning more interesting also in a corporate setting. And that's an area where we are, are, are investing a lot of resources these days as half of our staff is, is working uh, 100% devoted to product development and, and product improvements. That's, of course, a consistent and, and sustainable use of resources that we also will improve, increase over time. 
in order to be de- de- able to deliver the, to the to the requirements and and wishes from the from the corporate customers we have around the world. Sounds great and absolutely critical to to provide like modern tools for things like this. Like it's you know I, I think this pandemic will have a lot of beneficial effects for you know developments in certain areas such as this where we're you know we're in a good way forced to get out of the you know shed our skin you know as corporate animals and, and get rid of old habits and you know use new ways we also have like startups in our portfolio tackling like culture like pure like how do you how do you manage culture remotely like when when you can't meet face there's so many so many critical areas like this. I, I, I assume you must be watching the, the whole pandemic situation quite closely because I would imagine it affects your business maybe even more than uh, some other businesses. Like, do you care to make a prediction of what's going to happen or, you know, in terms of the pandemic or is that not something you want to go to? No, I, I think it's a, it's a very interesting phenomenon, both because COVID nineteen is in itself not a new phenomenon. It just happened to to be very impactful in this uh, in this cycle, and I think it will be almost naive to not not predict that social distancing as we have been practicing it now for the last couple of of quarters will will continue to be a part of of how the societies will be. Expected to be run in the in the near and and maybe long term mid mid to long term future. The whole discussion around the vaccines that's maybe for another uh, group of people than for me. But I don't think that that will be a short term solution to anything. So I think it, for any, especially for any company uh, focusing as an entrepreneurial business and needing to be disciplined on resources and timelines. I think it's smart to 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 plan around that this scenario we have now will continue to be a realistic scenario going forward. That there are uncertainty, you will have back and forth, you will have new waves, you will have government issuing both uh, limitations and even uh, clear recommendations, of course, and, and maybe also more strict ways of, of running society. Uh, and also I think that the interest for from the investor community to invest in early non-proven business cases might be also very erratic uh, when it comes to the level of interest. So so planning for uncertainty and planning for the black swan phenomena might be positive in the sense that it, it, it's uh, positive for the company, but but it might not be positive for the world, depending on what you do. But, but uncertainty is definitely the name of 2021 and also the, the time to come from my entrepreneurial founder perspective, I think. Yeah, it's like Nassim Taleb came up with all of the cool expressions for a time like this. Like, it's good to be anti-fragile and black swan. And I remember after the financial crisis, you know, everyone was talking about this quite a bit. And now it's coming back. It was surprisingly calm in the <laughs> in the years in between. But uh, I, I think you're, uh, you know, spot on, spot on correct with that one. While we all brace for uncertainty. That seems to be, you know, the one word for this whole era. So rapid fire, I will go really quick and you try and answer your proudest moment. 
So I mean, with the, with the, all the changes in the world, I think uh, the or proudest moment in the in the near, near near history was when we were instantly in mid March able to turn around and offer our premiums uh, Kahoot uh, subscription for free to all teachers and all schools around the world who are affected by COVID nineteen. We did that the day after Zoom, which was the first IT company to to deliver the uh, value to to users because of the. Pandemics, that, that must be the, in the recent time, the, the most proud moment. Your biggest mentor, role model? Yes, I, I don't think I have one, uh, but I've always been very fascinated about the work and, and thinking, uh, especially around what, what Bill Gates uh, and his team were able to, to do with Microsoft from the early days and through into a, a company. And even now Satya taking it one step further with, with going into a more of a second cycle tech leadership role, building the infrastructure with Azure and, and all initiatives around Azure and the services. So that's that's super impressive. And also how Apple has been so uh, focused with, with both, of course, Steve Jobs' uh, leadership, but also now uh, managed by Tim uh, on, on how to build the consistency between hardware, services, and software, and constantly be able to evolve this into something that is uh, working so so neatly. So I... I think from a from a very core industry perspective, those are, are very impressive role models from a pure business perspective. Nice. And what's the one piece of advice you wish you would have received earlier in life? So I think never underestimate the the consistent hard work over time that you need to put into any project is is maybe the most important or earliest advice you can get. It takes extreme amount of time over time and you have to make sure that you always have enough uh, resources and, and fuel to get to the next station and that that should be the lesson number one and also the last lesson for any 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 sessions around entrepreneurship if you if you don't have that in place it doesn't really matter what you try to do in the in the meantime so making sure that the plan according to to that is uh, maybe the most important advice my, my, the next one on the list is one piece of advice to startup founders, but I think you pretty much uh, covered it with the previous one here. <laughs> yeah, I, I, exactly. And it's not even for startups only. It's for everyone, uh, everyone running an operation. Uh, but to startups, it's about, I think uh, Richard Branson once said that good, is, good ideas are like the buses of London. There's always a new one. So it's about not kind of be too hang up in a good idea. Of course, the idea should be good, but it's all about making that idea into something more than an idea. That's, and that's the most important as a, as a founder. It's 1% good idea, 99% hard work. And if you kind of get that right, it, it's a pretty good start. Great advice. And finally, what is the kindest thing someone has done for you? I think that must be my wife and kids who are, are both willing and, and able to live with me. That, that, that must, that's the, maybe uh, the, the kindest. That's, that's one you and I have in common, I must say. <laughs> well, thank you so much for your time today. And that was a great conversation. And uh, have a great week for the rest of the week at Oslo Innovation Week. Thank you very much. You have been listening to the Antler VC Cast with UC Salavera and me, Pooja Parwani. To know more about Antler, our portfolio companies and our philosophy, visit us at www.antler.co or find us on LinkedIn, Twitter and Facebook at Antler Global. Thank you for listening.